0: Well, today, we're talking about time. The title of the sermon is All in Good Time. It sounds kind of archaic a little bit, right? It sounds a little, you know, like Andy Griffith's show. Right? That was a synonymous term because that show's archaic. But you've got you to gotta go back a little bit in time to find people speaking Right? Like that. You, you don't really hear that today uh, flowing off the lips of the political candidates, uh, music videos, uh, poetry uh, smash com- competitions. You don't really hear, oh, all in good time. Nobody wants to wait for anything. We want it now. We live in a culture that's now, 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 now. And yet the reality is the Lord knows, according to His good time, how to work in our lives. Amen? So this morning, we have a great opportunity to look and see what the Lord is doing. In Scripture, we hear things like, there's a time for everything under heaven. Where would we find that? In the Bible. Yeah, that's good enough. In the book of Ecclesiastes. uh, At just the right time Christ died for us. Where would we find that? In the Bible. Yeah, I gave you an out, didn't I? Romans 5, we would find that. My time has not yet come. Who said that? Yes. Oh, now you're warming up. Dip seven times in the Jordan. Who said that? My wife. She smelled me after I came out of the lawn the other now. Uh, This was instructions to a general, right? Who needed to be humbled out of the Old Testament. Uh, March seven times around the wall. Really? I thought this was something Trump said down in, in the southern... Oh, he didn't just pull a political joke. See, I'm really trying to get you guys to effectively, as a comedian, you want to have people boo, just boo. I'm not here to be a comedian. Let's keep moving. Forty days of wilderness wandering for Christ. Right? Three days in the tomb. The Bible teaches us that in God's economy, time allows for good things. It's my blessing and honor to share with you another story about time and patience and God's perfect timing. This past Christmas, we did an outreach. And we committed $2,000 towards outreach. We put that money in your hands in the form of $100 gift cards for you to pray about how you might be used of the Lord to take that and help someone who was in need. Even this week, a story came back to me about some, uh, a family in our church that reached out to a distant relative A single mom that had moved and it just came upon the conviction of this individual's heart. Distance. Hadn't seen this individual for a long period of time. But in praying through how might You use me, Lord, this person was laid on their heart. And so they reached out, even though they hadn't spent a lot of time together, even though they hadn't talked a lot, And they sent this gift card with a statement about the church's desire to reach out with God's perfect timing to help. And that there's no expectations. Just that the Lord laid it on this individual to reach out with a gift. Merry Christmas. I just found out two days ago that that young single mom had just lost her job the day before she received that card. And she was sick, so she missed work for three days in a row. And there was a powerful impact about how God used imperfect timing. I wish I had heard that all the way back in early January. But you know what's fascinating is that someone reached out to me and gave me that information knowing that I was about to preach this passage. In God's perfect timing, and we don't like God's timing much of the time, do we? We like to operate in our time, in our focus. And so I want to show you this idea of God's perfect timing. I'm in uh, Philippians 4, or we are in Philippians 4, 14 through 20. So join with me, if you will, turn in your scriptures there. Um, for those that might not have a Bible, we're going to be reordering Bibles. And so as you come in in the morning, you're going to be able to, just where we drop off our cards in that credenza, you're going to be able to pick up a Bible there and, and utilize that on a Sunday morning if you so choose. But for those of you that have your Scriptures today, turn with me to Philippians 4, starting in verse 14. And it's on the screen. I made it kind of small so you would look in your Scriptures. Because I'm manipulative that way. Okay, Paul says this in wrapping up the whole letter to the church of Philippi. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now we have another famous verse here, don't we? Right. Last week we were in that uh, extremely famous passage about I can do all things through Christ, who what? Who strengthens me? Now we have. Now this is a promise. I told you last week that that statement by Paul that's not a biblical promise. This is a promise. The way it's worded, the way it's voiced, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now I'm teasing the end to keep you attentive. We'll circle back around to that. So this morning as we move through this idea of in God's perfect time, we have this little watch up there. And uh, how many of you know what's on that face of that watch? What is that? It's Jesus. Because that's what Jesus looked like. I always crack up when we have these pictures of Jesus. We don't know what Jesus looked like. But anyway, you know, it's interesting. If we stare at Jesus long enough, sometimes we see Him better. So I'll just, I'll just preface that. I'll just preface that at the end. Let's go to our timing this morning. In looking at the idea, and we have uh, ser- uh, sermon notes available for you. You can pull those out of the bulletin and write these points in. So let's start with the idea of where Paul starts with. The conviction to cooperate. Or maybe a better way to verse this is coercion versus conviction. Conviction. If you haven't caught on by now, what's happening at this part of the letter is he's concluding his thoughts. Why did Paul write this letter in the first place to this group of believers? He wrote it because he was in prison. He'd been in prison for two years in Rome. Things were starting to fall apart out there in the field and the church was concerned. But the church wanted to supply needs for Paul being imprisoned. And so they sent this gift with Epaphroditus. He brought it to uh, uh, Paul in prison, which helped sustain Paul. Have you ever received a gift just when you needed it the most? At the perfect time? Maybe for some of us today, we have yet to fully embrace who Jesus is and what He did on the cross. Maybe today is your perfect time to receive that gift. But Paul receives this gift at a perfect time. In his infinite wisdom, Paul understands that the church at Philippi is struggling with guilt. Have you ever struggled with guilt when it comes to giving? Uh oh. Uh oh, Pastor mentioned giving from the pulpit. Here we go. You know what? I'm really excited about this. This is going to be the most awesome message on giving. Because it really helps set the perspective about what giving is. You're going to walk out of here a different person. I promise you. In perspective to this whole idea of giving. And please understand this, the enemy wants to steal that whole beautiful idea of giving away from you. He wants to distort it. He wants to even use the church to distort it so he robs you of what this church was able to participate in and be commended for. That's why I have a secondary title for this first point. The, the point is the conviction to cooperate, but I wonder if maybe a better statement is coercion versus conviction, right? Because in so many of our churches, and by the way, not just our churches, how many of you run into those, those little girls wearing green uniforms that look up at you with, with puppy dog eyes in the past three weeks? Right? That's coercion! Coercion for me to have to buy a whole new wardrobe a month from now, man. Do you know how much money they gross on a yearly average? I want to know where that money's going because it ain't. It, it's just supplying much more than uniforms and, and a trip to uh, Disneyland. Uh, that, that's a that's the gross national product of some some small countries. <laughs> but there's coercion, right? And the, the part I love the most is like the moms that are out there, or the troop leaders, right? Because you, you say, I, either I, I just bought some cookies or I don't have any cash on me. Well, we take cards now, right? And you're like, I, I, I've got an appointment, I've got, I've got to get to. And then the troop leader realizes no sale. And the troop leader says, have a nice day. <laughs> right? We live in a society that wants to manipulate and coerce. And somehow what we've done, we keep going back to that trough. We keep buying cookies every year. We keep giving, even though there's massive coercion, we keep giving. Why? Because we love, what are they called? Samoas or Mamoas or Jason Mamoas or something? Yeah, what, what are they doing? Ju- They're Samoas. They're Samoas. Because we love... Thin mints will send people to hell. I'm just telling you. No, they won't. But we keep going back because there is something we desire. Can I just share with you again, the enemy wants to strip away from you the idea. And honestly, there's a big part of this where Paul shows the Philippian church the value of their gift. The value of their partnership. And, and so much of the time, brothers and sisters, the church does a really bad job of helping you understand how your partnership moves the Gospel forward. So that's part of my challenge today. It is so awesome. to see, If you are between the ages of like 5 and 20, raise your hand. If you're between... <laughs> why, why did I even ask? Unbelievable. By the way, if you have children or nieces or nephews and Girl Scouts, Nephews? Well, okay. Um, I love Girl Scouts. Let me just say, I love the Girl Scouts, okay? I, I'm just talking about the insidious thing of whatever they put in those cookies. Philippi were legacy supporters. So again, my point is this. Why did I spend so much time talking about that? Because this is what our, our, our entire world does, but somehow the world wants to take and twist it when it comes to giving it the church. Can we just be real? about this and and hopefully pastors like myself can be real uh, in informing you and sharing with you how your partnership in the gospel paul's words is so instrumental in building the kingdom and has eternal consequences not temporary satisfaction and so this morning under this first idea Let's look at verses 15 and 16 real quickly. He says, and you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, in other words, when Paul first started preaching, right? When I left Macedonia, no church entered into, what's the word? Partnership. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. The church of Philippi were legacy givers they were like the first ones to partner with paul to help build the kingdom to help the gospel go out to help uh encourage those who are in need to facilitate the one who had the message so that he could also provide for those that were coming to him right paul says you were there in the beginning support according to paul in is a partnership and so much more and i want to share this oh i've got it up there already I want to share this with you because this is revelatory. That when I promised you that a sermon on giving was going to kind of be a little bit different today, a little bit more inspiring, not a manipulation, not a coercion, I want you to see how Paul sees, how he words this. Because if I can reflect Paul's sentiment, I mean every word that Paul uses in sharing with you the fact that you partner with our efforts in the Gospel. How did he choose to describe this? He didn't say, thanks for your checks. Thanks for your signing up on push pay for your monthly donation. Thanks for your yearly contribution. Here's our goal financially. We met our goal financially. And so much of the time, we use the world's equation of business to describe what we're doing and our partnership. This is what it means when Paul keeps using the word all, and we're talking about being all in. When we are all in together in doing what God has asked us to do in His perfect time, it is amazing what we are able to accomplish. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But here's the words that Paul uses throughout these four verses, five verses, to describe how He looks at their support. From the very beginning, He uses words like kindness. When somebody gave you a gift, did you see it as an extension of kindness? Because CBC does. CBC does. Sharing. Sharing the burden that the opportunities or the things that we strive to do in God's timing here, they cannot be done through one person financially. They can't be done through five people financially. But think of all that we're able to accomplish when we're all in. It's tremendous. And so, he uses an appropriate word. Sharing. He talks about it in terms of help. How many of you have reached out to somebody at a particular time and you've given them something like the story that i started with today this young mom this young single mom and they say thank you for supporting me financially they say thank you for helping me thank you for helping me doesn't that touch your heart in a deeper way this is what paul is trying to help us understand about this concept of giving and supporting or partnering in the efforts of the gospel let's not diminish it down to just simply writing a check a couple times a year or once a month and, and we've done our duty. We're losing so much. It's like giving a gift at Christmas just simply out of obligation rather than out of love. right? So He says help. He says partnership. He says fruit. Credit. It is to your credit. You will be remembered spiritually... Because of your partnership, you are to be credited for your partnership. Full payment, supply, gifts, offerings, sacrifice, needs, riches, all of those descriptors in four verses. Have you ever seen another passage in Scripture where the idea of giving is put into these kinds of terms, so many terms in such a short span? Paul is trying to help the Philippian church understand the beauty of what they have partnered with him in. And that it came out of a conviction to cooperate, not a coercion. Our second point today is a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul talks about this verse 18. Go there with me and he says, I have received full payment and more I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. There is great worship that's involved when we know we can have a direct influence in pleasing God. Do you ever think about that? that you, through your choices, myself, through my choices, I can actually please the God of the universe. I don't know anybody else's religion anywhere in the history of mankind that speaks to this level. The gods of man are ambivalent to relationships. Unless there's something they want out of it, right? Like the Greek gods. But the God of the Bible desires and offers in His good time beautiful relationship with us and we can in effect please Him with our acts of devotion. This is just one way that we can do that. It's this idea of partnership. Think about how in your life you had an endeavor that you were passionate about. And somebody else came along and joined you. How did you feel about that person? It wasn't even really their idea. But when you presented it to them, they bought in. And they worked alongside you and there was a pleasing sense of partnership. This is mind-blowing to me that we can have that kind of relationship and response to God. But Paul says that's exactly what happens when we partner in the Gospel. Our financial support of the Gospel is an offering to God Himself. So this sacrifice can be acceptable to God as well as unacceptable. This is one of the harsh realities of Scripture. If we say that we are um, truly in partnership with the Lord, right? the challenge that we look at is, is God pleased? Well, God was not pleased with the religious leaders. Jesus was not pleased with the religious leaders who did the required part, the coercive part, the manipulative part. As a matter of fact, He called them out for their hypocrisy. But He praised the widow who had very little, but gave out of a heart of partnership. You want to know how to please Jesus? Please God? He's made a road map for you and I. But God tells us that there are ways that we can be unpleasing, and we can't fake it. Are we part of sharing in the Gospel? Are we part of God's Kingdom? then we need to partner in that in a way that is pleasing to Him. Not pleasing to the pastor. Not pleasing to a corporation. Not pleasing to writers. Not pleasing to the guy on TV promising incredible things if you just send enough money. But pleasing to who? God. And that doesn't happen right away, does it? Think through in your life, in my life, The process of learning a principle that drives us to maturity. It doesn't happen right away. And so I think back towards Cain and Abel. One of the first stories of sacrifice. Paul used this word, your sacrifice. And who had the acceptable and pleasing sacrifice to God? Abel did cain's sacrifice was actually rejected by god brothers and sisters that may sound harsh but understand this is what separates us this is what makes god god and when we don't offer something that's worthy of the person that we're have you ever done that right like you go out shopping and and there's somebody you just got to buy for because they're part of a group and you don't want to show up empty-handed and then there's your your favorite uncle Right? And, and you really want to get something nice for your favorite uncle, right? Why? Because there's a heart condition going on there of wanting to please the one that you have deep relationship with. Does that make sense? Cain missed it. Cain gave just out of obligation. And the Lord said, this is not acceptable, Cain. Now, the beauty of who God is is that Cain went off and pouted, did God just leave him to his own recourse no God came to teach him so that in good time Cain would learn how to properly express worship to God and he had a great conversation with Cain I don't have time to go over it right now go back it's in the early part Genesis 4 But what we learn from this is that there is an acceptable or pleasing sacrifice we give to God and there are those that are not pleasing and the challenge is that Paul understands that the Philippian church was feeling guilty. Let's go back to the, the story. The Philippian church wanted to give and we see this earlier in the book wanted to give to Paul earlier in his imprisonment but they had no opportunity. Remember that phrase? But you had no opportunity to give? So Paul comes at the very end of the letter and he says, Y'all need to throw the guilt cape off your shoulders. Can I please remind you, you were the first ones to partner with me? Do you hear what Paul's doing? And yet, what do we do when it comes to giving? We live in guilt. We live in guilt. We live in, you know, all things in his time. The beautiful part is that paul comes back and says look at that time you didn't have opportunity to give god will supply my what this was last week god will supply my what my needs i'm going to be okay but now paul shifts and he starts commending them because later all in good time this church was able to get back to what they had done in their partnership And finally send Epaphroditus with a gift to Paul. And so what does he do? The very end of the letter, the very last thought he wants to leave with them is, thank you. You are kind. You are helpful. You are supportive. It is to your credit. It is to your merit. Not just, thanks for the check, Grandpa. Right? Right? paul goes through and talks about the depths of what happens when we sacrifice and how that truly speaks to our heart and if it speaks to paul's heart what does it mean when when we sacrifice as unto the lord paul's saying it pleases him and that's what's really important it pleases him and that's what's important a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to god our financial support of the gospel is a gift to god himself are we pleasing god with our support and partnership. Brothers and sisters, this is something that should be approached with prayer. It should be approached with prayer. And if you're long for having that sense of warmth and encouragement that the Lord would be pleased with what you're doing in this area, all in good time, the Spirit will speak to your heart and you'll know Because what my gift might be this month may not be your gift. And what your gift is may not be my gift. But Paul reminds us over and over about the value of the gift given from a heart of sacrifice that that is pleasing to God. Learn the discipline of what it means to sacrifice an acceptable gift to God. And then we are all partners In his work, in his good time. But also understand it takes time to learn that conviction. Amen? It takes time to learn that conviction. And it's a very different thing for me to give myself an excuse to go purchase something that I probably am going to throw away, you know, eight months from now, or it's just going to kind of go through my body versus something that can have eternal consequences. And so I have to kind of approach things in a proper perspective and learning, and that takes time. Maybe this morning the biggest challenge for us gathered here is to contemplate where are we in this act of worship before the Lord? Is it all guilt-infested? If it is, then we have a lot of learning to do. If it's done out of a heart of love and partnership and all these words that Paul uses, all these adjectives Paul uses, then we're giving appropriately. If there's ever a time where we might give to the Lord when there was something for ourselves that we could give to ourselves or benefit ourselves, and that is truly sacrifice, I will tell you I've not met the person yet that was displeased with that choice. I don't have time to go through what I learned in my early 20s about this idea. But I will tell you, there was a pivot point where within 48 hours, God taught me the lesson of sacrificial giving. As a college student who was going to starve to death. Okay, I'm going to just tell you. Some of you have heard this story. It's just such a good story. I can't help myself. I'm doing pretty good on time. Uh, you hear that? I'm doing pretty good on time. Can you see that? Uh, stayed down at college my last, um, uh, 83, my last year of traditional college, uh, over Christmas break. And so I had to support myself. And I, I had a job, but it wasn't going wasn't to take care of things. And so I went skiing with my friends, right? Who, who am I worshiping? I'm worshiping myself. But I could not stand out there on the mountain and say, oh, great God of the snow. Okay, I'm good. Let's go skiing now, right? No. I made a choice to go do what I wanted to do. And it cost money. And when I got back, there was a note on my door from my roommate I owed money to. And I ran the gamble that he would be gone. He would have left already. And that would entitle me to be able to spend the money for skiing. And he stayed one more day and I was not expecting that. Because I budgeted for my insidious indiscretions. And uh, so then I had a choice. Am I going to do the right thing that the Lord wants me to do in worship and have integrity and pay the person that I owe? Or am I going to never walk into my room, go across the street and stay with friends and act like I never saw this? And that thought entered my mind. Serve myself or serve God with my money? And I actually started to... I think a shoulder went like this. Just for a second, the Holy Spirit said, who are you and who do you serve? You know, giving is all about faith. It really is. When the Philippian church supported Paul, it was all about faith. Is the Lord really going to supply their needs? And that's where we're getting to. And so I went ahead and I left the money there and I went away like Jonah and I'm griping and I'm complaining and I bought myself a pizza with the last bit of money that I had. And then when that pizza was done, I sat there and and screamed to the Lord, I'm going to starve. Here I did the right thing and now I'm going to starve. There's nothing else left. I'm at work later that day and, and this gal that I do work at at, a, at a, a country club, she came up to me and she said, do you want to clean the tennis courts for me today? That was $20 cash. And uh, she never said that. And I said, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't have the time. Do you want to do it? I'll pay you $20 right, right after your shift. So I get done with my shift. I go clean the tennis courts, $20, another pizza. So now I'm good for another six hours. <laughs> and uh, so then I, I get to the next day. I'm just kidding. I, I get to the next day. And so I have to write my check for my car payment. And I drive to the post office. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I have no more money if I write this check. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And he's like, remember how you have had two pizzas in the past 24 hours? I'm like, okay and I'm sitting in my little Datsun 210, give you the visual, crossing the post office, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm writing the checkout and all of a sudden, I look up and there's like this guy that looks like he's straight out of gun smoke with no teeth. What was that guy's name? Festus or something? Right? I got Festus at my window. And I'm like, uh. so I roll the window down like this and he's like, you know, how'd you like to make some money? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. What's this involved? And he says, he says, my car won't start. I need a jump start. Do you have cables? I said, yeah, I got cables. I said, you don't have to pay me any money. I jumpstarted his car. 20 bucks. One more pizza. <laughs> now it's so the next day. It's Sunday. The Lord's Day. You'd think I'd be celebrating by now. But I haven't gotten the lesson yet about he will supply my needs. But so far, every time I want to hold my money back, He convicts me and I go ahead and do what He's asked me to do and act with integrity and honor my partnerships. And then I go ahead and I'm sitting there at night in church service and I'm listening to Pastor Tom and I'm with the college group and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, I'm starving! I am going to die by 9 o'clock! You have to help me. I have honored you. And I'm just wrestling. I didn't hear anything Pastor Tom said that night. I'm just like total jonah out. At the end of the service, one of the fathers of a good friend of mine, well, the father, he didn't have multiple fathers. (laughs) One of my good friends, his dad walks up to me, and his dad is a hardcore, never smiles motorcycle cop in the LAPD. And he walks up to me and he says, all service long, God just keeps saying something about I'm supposed to give you 20 bucks. And I'm just standing there like, what? It took four times. But in good time, I learned to trust God. Was that worth the time of the story? Because I'm supposed to be done right now. (laughs) My needs, my wants, my money. You know, this is what our world preaches. And the challenge for us in that is how do we deal with that? Well, Paul deals with it. He understands and he recognizes their support, their partnership. He commends them for it. He says, stop feeling guilty that you couldn't always support me. In good time, you did. Right? And so then he lavishes all this this, um, praise upon them. And then he reminds them, look, whatever you give, make sure it just pleases the Lord. Make sure it pleases the Lord. And then he comes back and he gives you this promise. Paul issues a promise or prayer here over the Philippian church. And let me read it to you. I'll back it up to verse 18. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God is that a great way to speak about how people support you? Just beautiful. And then he comes with this promise, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Wow. You know, those who dig in a little bit deeper, those who learn to sacrifice like Abel, understand what that means. Remember, I shared with you about 10 minutes ago that the idea of giving, whatever kind of giving you do, has to do with sacrifice, but it has to do with faith. Because if you're going to sacrifice, you're going to put yourself into some kind of jeopardy where you're not able to do what you wish you could do. But isn't it amazing to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who can go far above, right? Ephesians 3 can abundantly give us more than we could ever dream of. Now, in His good time, He will bring those to us. Remember, we live in the microwave generation? I, I don't know, that, that preached well in the 80s. We're so far past that. But it, it's all now. It's all instantaneous. It's no longer CDs. It's all just streaming. We can't even get a CD and take the time to put it in the thing. It's just like, uh, you know, a love a ba Uh, blah, 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 blah. uh play such and such right i mean it's so it's so maniacally easy that we've lost the idea of sacrifice but what a beautiful thing when we get to taste of god's provision in our life because it changed me in my early 20s when i saw god supply my needs over a weekend where I was on a selfish bender of just taking care of myself and my own needs. God taught me, look, you honor me, I'm going to supply your needs. I'm going to supply your needs. Paul reminds the church of a promise that God will supply all their needs. How do we lead you in this spiritual discipline and practice of faith here at CBC? We do so in this way. We let you know that giving is... it's an act of worship we never ever try to manipulate you or coerce you in giving we never set an amount that you're supposed to give we never publish what you give now there are other organizations i'll use that term lightly churches that actually broadcast print publish what each person gives every year And if you don't give a certain amount, you get a phone call. And you know what? Those are pretty rich churches. Because they link or index your salvation and what you're going to get based off of what you give. I'm telling you, it sounds like Girl Scout cookies to me. We do not do that here. I I have no idea what you give. And I never will, unless you tell me. And then I'm going to go, no, 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 no. Because I don't need to know what you give. What I need to know is that you're in harmony and it is a good time for you in pleasing the Lord and you have not had this discipline of worship stripped away from you by malicious or insidious or twisted teaching of what is good for all of us. Amen? Amen. That's how we encourage you in giving here. We always want to encourage you in your giving That it is a step of faith. And that there's so much to learn about how God will supply your needs. And to live kingdom living. And to build the kingdom with the resources we have. We have incredible rooms now for our family ministries. And for bible studies and for new offices all of that happened because individuals stepped up we have a a playground that's been here for i don't know since the paleolithic age and uh we were informed that we did not own that playground and we were going to have to pay money to purchase that playground And, and that was a big tension point but we thought let's turn it over to the lord And let's let Him be our advocate. And there are individuals that stepped up that you'll never know about that just paid the ransom. What does that sound like? What a beautiful portrayal of paying for something that probably... Well, it was paid by somebody who shouldn't have had to pay it. That's the best way to say it. The ministry and the care and the compassion that goes out from this church is tremendous. We can always do more with what is given, but we will always try. Look, folks, we got to pay for electricity. We got to pay for these expensive, expensive graphics that are on the screen. We got to pay for my shoes. No, we don't have to. I have to pay for my shoes. We have to pay for janitorial. We have to pay for landscape. There's things that if we're going to operate this way, we have, to, we have to pay these things. But we will always highlight how individuals have given and partnered in the Gospel here to change lives. We probably spent $230 on these light bulbs behind me. Why on earth would we spend that kind of money on light bulbs that are doing nothing right now? If you're new here, ask somebody what those light bulbs are all about. But a few short weeks ago, they were all lit except for one. That's what your leadership strives to do here. Is help you understand how you are partnering in the Gospel. In closing, I just want to share with you this morning. We'll go back over some of the finer points of Philippians. Next week. But what a beautiful passage to remind us of God's grace in our life. I am confident of this very thing that God will supply your needs according to His riches and His glory in good time. Another story of how giving happens here at CBC is that not through coercion, but through conviction. You remember the first story I told you. Because of your desire, because of your effort, because of your partnership, because of your gifts, because of your sweet fragrance, your sacrifice, there's somebody else out there that saw God's mercy and grace when they had a confused or misunderstood idea of who God is. This past week, somebody in our church felt the conviction to give a car, a very nice car, to another young lady who's struggling with a misunderstanding of who God is. All based off of, God, you didn't give me what I asked for. And so you're truly not the God I thought you were, so I don't want to have anything to do with you. You know, the beautiful thing is that that person now can see how God worked on their behalf when they desperately needed a vehicle, He didn't just give this person a vehicle, He gave this person an incredible vehicle. And someone from this church gave it freely. A huge sacrifice. And I happen to know that individual, and I know that we're both partnering in prayer, that the Gospel, because of that gift, would be carried through. What do we do with what God has given us in good time? By the way in closing today if you look at that watch long enough what do you actually see you know in good time if you stare at that and then you look away and close your eyes it's amazing you have a much clearer picture of jesus the more that you look at him let me close in prayer father thank you for this message today i pray that it It changes our thinking a little bit about this idea of how we partner in the Gospel. And how the the gifts that You have given to us lead us into a great sense of worship and trust and faith. It grows our relationship with You. Let us be a church that gives or supports so that You are pleased in nobody else. Thank You, Father. Use this to Your glory within each heart today. In Your name we pray. Amen.